Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the JRPG Report. My name is Dalton Suter, and this is episode 243. Uh, Right off the bat, I just want to say I apologize if you noticed that there is no intro music and there will be no outro theme either. That's my bad. Um, I'm actually not home at the moment. I am at my lovely lady's apartment, and I forgot to send myself the appropriate music files to set that up, but I still... Wanted to get this episode out for each and every one of you. So let us, let's just go ahead and dive right into the news with Nintendo has released more information on the next Terra Raids battles that will be available in January and February 2023 for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, including a Valentine's Day event, and it will feature Tandemouse Terra Raids. This announcement also teased the next entry in the Unrivaled series. It will involve a character that is in the Poison Terra type. The new Valentine's Day Terror Raid Battle event in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet sees players face against Tandemouse, the couple Pokemon. It will have a random Terra type, and the Valentine's Day event will run through February 13th through February 15th, 2023. This Pokemon can be evolved into Mousehold, which normally evolves into the family of four form, but has a 1 in 100 chance to be a family of three. The Tandemouse can be found in the wild in-game or in Terra Raids outside this event. Nintendo also teased that the next Pokemon in the unrivaled series of 7-star Pokemon Scarlet and Violet Terra Raid battles, and the company confirmed Poison will be its Terra type. The third one will run through January 27th through 29th, 2023, and once again through February 10th to 12th, 2023. The previous unrivaled Terra battles so far have been Dragon Terra type Charizard and Fighting Terra type Cinderace. Players will still have a chance to fight and obtain unrivaled Cinderace until January 15th, 2023. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is immediately available on the Nintendo Switch. And up next, Outlast has outlined its streaming rules and restrictions for Persona 3 Portable and Persona 4 Golden Ports. Or, to be more precise, its lack of any specific restrictions. You can only stream or upload videos for personal use. However, there are very little restrictions outside of that when it comes to both re-releases of the games. If you are streaming a part that contains spoilers, Atlas said that you should put up a warning of some kind. This could be in the stream overlay screen or in the title. For example... You should put a spoiler alert while streaming the culprit's dungeon in Persona 4 Golden. You also have to show the copyright at uh, copyright Atlas and copyright Sega when streaming or uploading a video for either game. Because you can only upload for personal use, you cannot put your streamer videos behind a paywall. If you want to make revenue off your videos, then you would have to use a service like YouTube's partnership program. You can also you also cannot publish videos that solely focus on the background music as well. You should not upload videos showing anything like cheats or mods, nor should you make content offensive towards anyone or any particular person. Finally, if Atlas tells you to take down a video, then you have to do so immediately. Atlas has previously shared its streaming restrictions for Persona 5 Royal, Persona 5 Scramble, and Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne HD Remaster. In comparison to companies like Spike Chunsoft, Atlas's restrictions on its story-heavy games are a bit more lenient. For, for quite some time, Spike Chunsoft forbid anyone streaming past Chapter 1 of its Danganronpa series, for example. Persona 3 and Persona 4 Golden are available now for the PS4, Nintendo Switch, Xbox Series X, Xbox One, and Windows PC. Alright, rolling on, the producer and director for the Romancing Saga Minstrel Song Remastered shared their thoughts on how they modernized the game on the Square Enix website. Hiroyuki Miura is the producer, and Naofumi Ueno is the director. Two revealed fan demand, or the two revealed fan demand is why the entry returned. 
Romancing Saga Minstrel Song Remastered is just one of many projects that the Saga team worked on in order to bring these Saga games onto modern consoles. The team chose to work on Minstrel Song after Saga Frontier Remastered due to its high player demand. While the game is mostly a port, there are some quality of life improvements such as many maps in New Game Plus, and this is all part of modernizing an older game for a newer audience. As for new content, the team included them for players who beat the original game. This way, players who may have beat the original Minstrel Song several times since its 2005 debut can experience something new. Because Ueno played Minstrel Song as a regular player in the past, he had confidence that the game is great on its own. Due to that faith, there were not many changes, thus preserving the, quote, charm of the original. For reference, Romancing Saga initially came out in 1992 in Japan. The PS2 re remake, Minstrel Song, then came out in both Japan and North America in 2005. Miura states that there will be more Saga games in the future. However, he did not provide more details beyond that. Romancing Saga Minstrel Song Remastered is available on the PS4, PS5, and Nintendo Switch, as well as on iOS and Android devices. And can I just ask, please, Atlas, oh, Atlas, why am I saying Atlas Square? If you're listening, put it on PC. Pretty please? That'd be rad. So Final Fantasy 16 producer Naoki Yoshi P. Yoshida denied rumors of a planned PC release. The comments came during a stream following the Final Fantasy 16, or excuse me, Final Fantasy 14 New Year's Mahjong tournament held on January 9th, 2023. The tournament, held each year by Final Fantasy 14's development team, is streamed live by Japanese video service Nigo Nigo Duga. Following the tournament, Yoshida appeared on a premium members-only stream to answer fan questions and comment on various topics. He responded to rumors about a Final Fantasy 16 PC version. Speaking in Japanese, he said, There's been talk that a PC version of Final Fantasy 16 will come out, but no one on the team has said anything about the PC version. I wonder why people assume the PC version will arrive six months after the PS5 version, so just go ahead and buy a PS5. The rumors Yoshida seems to be addressing with his comments seem to be related to earlier reveals about Final Fantasy 16's release date. During the 2020 PlayStation 5 Showcase stream, the initial Final Fantasy 16 reveal trailer said that the game would be also available on PC. The wording was omitted from the official trailer uploaded by Square Enix in the official press release. Two years later, Sony's PS5-focused Play Like Never Before trailer aired in November 2022 and mentioned that Final Fantasy 16 would be a PS5 exclusive for six months. It seems that the speculation conflated these two facts to conclude that Final Fantasy 16's PC release will happen six months after the PS5 release, and Yoshida's response in this case has been to say, in effect, that he and the team are not talking about any version of Final Fantasy 16 besides the PS5 release for now. The comments also seem to caution against assuming any other platform releases, PC included, will happen when the PS5 exclusivity window closes. For its part, Square Enix has brought several recent major releases to PC. Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate launched on PC in December 2021, a little more than six months after the PS5 release. Meanwhile, Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion was a day-and-date release across PS4, PS5, Nintendo Switch, and PC. And might I just say, let's get more of that. Let's just get them all everywhere they need to be. That's what I say. Final Fantasy XVI will release on the PS5 June 22nd, 2023. And some news from one of our other favorite publishers. Publisher NIS America has announced the release date of the PS5 version of Ease 9 Monstrum Knox. The US will receive the next-gen release on May 9th, 2023. Europe will see this version on May 12th, 2023. And finally, it will come to Australia on May 19th, 2023. The latest installment in the classic Ease series, Ease 9 Monster Knox sees Adol Christian in the prison of Balduk. He becomes cursed and turned into a monstrum, a being charged with exercising monsters, and fights a shadowy dimension overlapping the real world. In addition to the release date, NIS also added 
a character trailer showing the PS5 version and its characters in action. The next title in the E-Series, E's 10 Nordics, was announced on the Neon Falcom website. It will continue the story of Adol and the Oberian Gulf, an, archip- an archipelago of islands attacked by the immortal Griga. Unraveling the mystery of the Griga will be the game's core narrative, expected to release in 2023. E's 9 Monstrum Nox was first released on PlayStation 4 September 26, 2019 in Japan, before a worldwide release in February 2021 across multiple formats. It is available on the PlayStation 4, PC, and Nintendo Switch worldwide, and the Ease 9 PS5 version will be released May 9th, 2023 in the US and May 12th in Europe. The special edition is available for pre-order on the NIS America st- internet, you know, store on their, their website. So it seems the future DLC for Dragon Ball Z Kakarot will involve Team Goku and the Piccolo Jr. Saga as the new Bardock launch trailer hinted at the next add-on. At the very end of the video, a silhouette appears. It shows a person wearing a turban and carrying an umbrella. And this is the exact outfit Goku wore when he reunited with Master Yoshi, or excuse me, Master Roshi, Boma, Launch, and Oolong during a rainstorm ahead of the 23rd World Martial Arts Tournament. There is no release window for that reveal and add-on beyond coming soon. It will be the second of three add-ons for Season 2 of the game, however, the primary focus of the new video is to showcase the new Bardock storyline and the fights people will experience when it happens in the new trailer. Dragon Ball Z Kakarot is available for the Nintendo Switch, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. The PS5 and Xbox Series X versions uh, came out January 13th of this year, 2023, and they will be free updates for people with the PS4 or Xbox One releases. Bardock, Alone Against Fate, will also appear, or also came out January 13th. So in an official Q&A the, on the Tales of Symphonia Remaster website, the Tales of series developers spoke briefly about the possibility of other titles in the franchise receiving similar treatment. While they mentioned currently focusing their attention on Tales of Symphonia, the ideas of other entries in the Tales series receiving remasters isn't entirely out of the question. However, no specific game was mentioned in this relation, um, and instead the development team will keep an eye on the reception to the Tales of Symphonia Remaster. This is the statement from the Q&A website in full. We would like to extend our serious... Oh, take two on that. My goodness, I can't talk this week. I'm also sick. I apologize if uh, that's coming through at all. Uh, We would like to extend our sincerest gratitude to all of the Tales of series fans around the world for their passion and desire to play older Tales games on the newer platforms. However, we are currently focusing on the release of Tales of Symphonia Remastered, we are looking forward to the reception of the game and requests for future remasters. Announced in November 2022, the Tales of Symphonia remaster will release on modern consoles, and this version will feature improved graphics along with a skip function for certain cutscenes and events, and it will also come packaged with previously released DLC content. Tales of Symphonia Remastered will release on February 17th, 2023 for Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. Ah, no PC again. I do have Tales of Symphonia on Steam, though like the original. So if I really wanted to play it, I could play it. And it, there will probably be some mods out there that would do pretty much the same thing the remaster is going to do. I'm just assuming. All right. We've got a couple couple things out of Square Enix here. A Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII reunion mod, speaking of mods, for PC allows players to restore the original voices from the PSP release. Modders Fenchu uploaded the specific mod to the mod hosting website Nexus Mods. By the way, that's the best mod site in my opinion. Nexus, tremendous. Love it have never been done wrong by Nexus. The voice restoration mod will work on the PC version of the game, requiring patch 1.0.1 to use, as Finchu states that they would like those using the mod to support the developers. 
This means that it will not work on pirated copies of the game. This Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion mod brings back the original voices for Zack, Cloud, Sephiroth, Aerith, and Genesis. Or maybe it's Genesis. Uh, I don't. I haven't played Crisis Core, so I'm not sure how they would pronounce it. However, the mod itself doesn't cover all instances of voice acting in the game. That said, Sfinchu is currently working on removing the additional voice acting for specific cutscenes to fully recreate the PSP experience. Additionally, they're working on replacing voice combat sounds and dialogue to the original versions. Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion is a remake of the original PSP release, and not only does it feature an entirely new voice cast, but the game is completely voice acted. Other adjustments include changes in the combat and a new user interface that more resembles Final Fantasy VII Remake. Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion is available for the PS4, PS5, Switch, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and PC. So, it is now possible to try Dragon Quest Treasures before buying it, as a demo has appeared. Square Enix revealed that it is not available now on the Switch eShop, and this is the sort of demo that contains a slice of the full game from the beginning. As such, it means you can carry over your progress and get a bonus for the full game. There's a trailer going over at the Dragon Quest Treasures demo. Oh, excuse me. There's a trailer going over the Dragon Quest Treasures demo. I was like, well, that doesn't make sense, but that's because I read it wrong. It primarily looks at gameplay present in the full game, and people can see what it's like to wrestle up a crew of monsters, fight alongside them, collect treasure while exploring, and then see totals go up as the value of your horde increases. Towards the end, it mentions, it mentions that you can save and carry that over. It also mentions the reward for trying the game, then buying the full one, is five better buddy bullets. As for those better buddy bullets, they're an item to help convince a hostile monster to join your crew. There's always a chance that one might become a recruit after a fight. However, using a buddy bullet of some sort increases that odds of that happening. Does not guarantee it, though. The Dragon Quest Treasures demo is available for the Nintendo Switch. <clears throat> so as the release date of Like a Dragon Ishin approaches, Sega has released details on the game's various physical bonuses. One pack even includes a life-size wall scroll, called a tapestry in Japan, of protagonist... Ooh, I'm going to butcher this... Ryoma Sakamoto. Or Ryouma. Uh, these are only announced for Japan, though. An update to the official Japanese website for Like a Dragon Ishin, called Ryugai Gotoku Ishin Kawami in Japan, unveiled the game's various pre order bonuses and physical editions. The most luxurious pack is the Super DX pack, sold on the Sega store via online retailer Ebton for 19,899 yen, which is roughly about $149. A version without the tapestry goes for roughly $93, and the pre-order bonuses are currently only offered in Jap on the Japanese PS4 and PS5 editions of the game. The life-size tapestry of Sakamoto shows him wearing a Shinsugumi uniform with a sword drawn. It is over 200 centimeters long, so about 6.5 feet, so this tapestry is taller than I am. I'm 6'2", and it's made of suede. Ooh, I love me some suede. Besides the aforementioned tapestry, the Like a Dragon Ishin Super DX pack also includes a bamboo folding fan with two designs. One side bears the crest of the Sakamoto, and the other side bears Saito Hajime's crest. Another item is a sitting cushion. The top has a stylized rendering of the game's logo illustration, while the bottom shows a collection of all the characters' crests. Finally, a six-sticker set of the principal character's family crests is included along, alongside an extra-large bromide card of the poster illustration. Other retailers will stock various pre-order bonuses for a standard edition of Like a Dragon Ishin. These bonuses include the tatame-style coasters, wooden plates with Ryoma's crest, buttons, stickers, keychains, and bromides of the characters. Like a Dragon Ishin launches on February 21st, 
2023, and it's headed to the PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S, and PC. And speaking of Like a Dragon Ishin, the newest trailer focuses on more low-key and relaxed activities in the game, with farming and caring for animals both highlighted. It shows different kind of relaxed elements at home, how those work, and what life is like alongside Haruka. The Like a Dragon Ishin trailer begins with a look at farming. Kazuma is first in his garden plot. The video shows him harvesting some broad beans, and after that, Ryoma takes a fresh produce and heads to the kitchen to cook for Haruka. This ends up being something of a rhythm game, as someone needs to, or as, yeah, as someone needs to chop veggies by pressing buttons at the right time. It turns out someone can view food orders and try to make items just so in order to earn money. Well, that was weird and weird. After taking care of farming and cooking, the Like a Dragon Eastern trailer shows animal care. Initially, we'll see Ryoma happen upon an injured dog. He then tends to them, and it looks like the bond grows. After that, we see Ryoma interact with Snowball the cat inside, and he also spends time with a Shiba Inu that performs a flip for him and a cat that jumps for him. Like a Dragon Ishin will come out to PS4, PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC February 21st, 2023. So there is now a North American and European release date for Little Witch Nobeta. The game will come to PS4 and the Nintendo Switch on March 7th, 2023. It already showed up on both consoles in Japan in September 2022, and the PC version is available worldwide. When the console version does appear, however, standard and limited editions will be available. Standard copies of the game will be $49.99 on both platforms. The Little Witch Nobeta Limited Edition costs costs Jesus costs $129.99. That gets people a compendium of Crafted Souls art book, a soundtrack CD, a pop-up card, an Idea Factory International Store trading card, a plush of Nobeta while she's sleeping, and the steel bookcase for the game, and a copy of either Switch Cart or PS4 disc. While pre-orders aren't live yet on the North American European storefront, they will open on January 27th, 2023. As a reminder, Little Witch Nobeta is a Souls-like RPG about a young witch. It first debuted on Steam Early Access in June 2020. The Little Witch Nobeta release date for North America and Europe is March 7th, 2023, and it will be available physically and digitally on the Nintendo Switch and PlayStation 4. And it is immediately available in English on PC via Steam. <clears throat> All right. As you are hearing this, this game is now out. As I'm recording this, this game comes out tomorrow. So let's have ourselves a little bit of a Fire Emblem block, shall we? With the release date of Fire Emblem Engage drawing closer, Nintendo has released a trailer going over gameplay features in some detail. A nine-minute Fire Emblem Engage overview trailer gives players the rundown on its systems. The Fire Emblem Engage gameplay overview trailer is in Japanese and is more or less condensation of information released piecemeal through social media and other channels. The exception to this is individual character information as the trailer focuses more on general systems and world building information. Though there's not much that hasn't been detailed or hinted at before, the Fire Emblem Engage overview trailer functions as an effective capsule of the view of the game. Systems like the game's central mechanic of engaging with the emblems based on other Fire Emblems title heroes is seen front and center. Characters can equip special rings that invoke the power powers of characters like Marth, Lucina, and Byleth. Using them allows the characters to change their appearance and carry out unique attacks. Different the game's various classes are also are different of the game's uh, various classes are also highlighted, as is the ability to change characters' classes or upgrade their current class to maximize their potential. Gameplay in the home base area of Somnil, or Sorinil in the Japanese edition, is also shown in the Fire Emblem Engage Overview trailer. Many games like exercising, wyvern riding, and pet care are showcased. The ability to visit characters and have conversations with them and see them off uh, in their off-duty wear is highlighted. 
And in a new f- official interview with Fire Emblem Engage director uh, Sutomu Tai and Kenta Nakanishi from the Entertainment Planning Development Department, Production Group 2 went over how Alir's development was resulted in a bit of balancing. The goal was to make someone who would resonate with players. However, during development, the two noted that they almost overdid it and made the character difficult to connect with. As such, they needed to adjust the protagonist to show growth and fragility. As Nakanishi noted when discussing Alir's development, we were worried that players would give up on the protagonist before they could get emotionally attached to them. Nintendo also stepped in and noted that there could be connection issues. So here is like the quote from him. That said, we had many twists and turns with the Nintendo or with Nintendo regarding the characterization of Alir. When a protagonist is a royal, they are often associated with bravery or thought to have a sense of mission to fight against fate and challenges. And I believe those are traits that people generally associate with heroes. However, I thought such heroes are unlikely to resonate with people today. Let's say someone tells you one day, out of nowhere, that your mission is to save the world. My guess is that your response wouldn't be like, okay, I'll do my best. So at the early stages of development, we had many moments where Alir fears the enemies and says unheroic things. Well, we overdid it and Nintendo pointed it out to us. So we decided to keep a good balance. We kept Alir's fragile side in the beginning, but showed them gradually growing braver. The protagonist, in other words, the actual player of the game, embarking on a journey is a classic storyline of a Fire Emblem title, but we knew we wanted to create a story that matches the modern world and made some adjustments. Fire Emblem Engage will come out January 20th, 2023, which should be today, if I do my job right. (laughs) And the final part of Nintendo's Fire Emblem Engage interview series went over both support and bond conversations in the present, or present in the game. Uh, Intelligent Systems Director Sutomu Tai also confirmed a range of how many people can see in the game. He noted that there are about 650 conversations when it comes to general supports and about 1,300 conversations for emblem character bond events. He also reiterated that these are fully voiced. We couldn't manage to create one for all character combinations, but there are about 650 conversations between characters, and we have prepared bond conversations for all emblems, which is about 1,300 conversations. There's quite a lot of content there for those who want to listen to every conversation. And since the game's story doesn't branch out into multiple storylines, I hope players will enjoy choosing the pairs they like and strengthening their favorite characters to their heart's content. In past installments in the series, the team revealed Alir and Selene were first the first characters designed as Alir was designed to be a relatable protagonist. And then we have one more that touches on more of those side activities. Nintendo introduced the Rest and Wyvern Ride activities you can experience in Somnil when you want to take a break in Fire Emblem Engage. Wyvern is an on-rails FPS minigame in which you destroy targets floating around the hub. Napping will pass time. Depending on your relationship values with a character, they might wake you up after one. In a short video on the Fire Emblem Engage Japanese Twitter account, it introduced the bed and rest mechanics. Panette shows up at the end to wake Alir up. Other than resting, you can use the bed to look through your memories or adjust the difficulty setting. It's unclear just how close you will have to be to a character for them to wake you up. And in the video, Panette compliments Alir for how fast they get up because she finds it difficult to wake up in the mornings. The Fire Emblem Engage Twitter account also uploaded a video showing a Wyvern ride. In it, you shoot down targets in the air to get a high score. And there will likely be rewards depending on how many points you get. And aside from the normal green ones, there are special red targets that will explode. And these can destroy all of the targets around them when they blow up. Nintendo has previously showed off other activities that you can do in Somnil, which will be the main hub in Fire Emblem Engage. It is similar to Garig Mach in Fire Emblem Three Houses or My Castle in Fire Emblem Fates. 
Aside from napping and playing dragon shooter, you can take care of a pet, exercise, fish, sweet, I love fishing, and invest in some Neil. And you guys can check that out today. It releases today as of listening to this. So figure maker Amakune opened up pre-orders for the popular Persona 5 Makoto figure again. Previously sold out on its first run in 2019, the figure shows Makoto Nijima and Johanna, her persona, and now it is back and available via Hobby Japan's online shop. The reissue of the Amakune Persona 5 Makoto figure features her in the Phantom Thief outfit. As a member of the Phantom Thieves, she goes by her codename Queen and wears a spiked leather outfit reminiscent of a motorcycle jumpsuit and bondage wear. She also wields for the Persona Johanna, which takes the form of a large motorcycle. Makoto herself also fights with her bare fists, but uses revolver for gun attacks. The 2023 reissue of the Amakune or excuse me, Amakuni, Persona 5 Makoto figure comes with a few revisions compared with its 2019 run. It's the same size, about 7.1 inches tall, and about 10.3 inches long. That's 18 centimeters tall and 26 centimeters long for all of you European listeners, or every, everywhere but America, I think. Uh, however, Johanna has been recolored. The 2019 edition was a shiny chrome, while the 2023 version has more of a brushed metal finish, giving it a more silvery, silvery bluish hue. The rear wheels also gained an additional brake caliper assembly, and the visible machine parts of Joanna have been retouched to give them more definition. Similarly, similarly, Makoto's outfit has been retouched as well to better distinguish the blue and black portions of her outfit. The black chocks that allow her feet to stand stably on the surface have been made transparent as well. The figure is open for pre-order in Japan at Hobby Japan's online store with an estimated delivery window of March and April 2024. It will cost 33,000 yen, which is roughly $257. And Persona 5 Royal is available on the PS3, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S, Nintendo Switch, and PC. So Square Enix has shared some information about gameplay elements that will appear in Kingdom Hearts Missing Link. These details specifically concern travel, along with two different ways players can play the title. Kingdom Hearts Missing Link will also feature an AP system similar to other mobile games, which means players will spend stamina to engage in battles, but it is a bit different between the two gameplay modes. Concerning the two different gameplay systems players can use in Kingdom Hearts Missing Link, one option is using the GPS function and the gamepad function. The GPS function will track the player movement as you walk, whereas the gamepad function allows you to control your character without needing to move. The players can also use a hands-free feature for the combat while in GPS mode. Players can also obtain AP through battles in GPS mode. However, AP will be expended through the gamepad function. This means that AP and obtaining treasure chests will cost stamina. Alternating between these two functions will allow for players to spend and acquire stamina. Players will also have the opportunity to customize their avatar, and details concerning more extensive character creation will appear in the future. However, players will be able to change the color of their costumes and equip individual pieces to mix and match their attires. Kingdom Hearts Missing Link is in development for Android and iOS devices. And I leave this episode with a question to you listeners. It's a new year. There's a whole slate of new games going to be coming out. So tweet me at JRPG Report or, you know, come join the Patreon. Patreon.com slash JRPG Report and then join the Discord, which is for the Patreon members. I want to know, what are your most anticipated JRPGs of this year? What are some JRPGs that I should be looking forward to? And maybe give me some older JRPGs that I might not have played that you think that I should dive into this year. I would greatly, greatly appreciate that. Oh, and I just realized I do not have my patrons pulled up. 
And it looks like I can't log into Patreon from here. So I'm going to try to remember um, Kim C, Jordan K, Jake W, Kularian. Ah, there's one more. I know there's one more. I'm so sorry that I'm forgetting. But those are the ones that I can remember because they've been around. I think they've been with me the longest. In any case, thank you to each and every one of the Patreon members. I do appreciate it, um, especially with my hours being cut at work recently uh, pretty heavily. <laughs> uh, any support really, really does um, mean the world to me and help the show out a lot. And uh, hey, you know what? If you want to send me like five bucks for my birthday, tell me happy birthday. Um, Cash app. Uh dollar sign DJ Suter 352 and PayPal Savage Gaming at gmail.com. Um, you know, just if that floats your boat, if not, that is perfectly fine. And next week we will be back with some more wonderful JRPG news. Goodness. The well has kind of been dry lately and I'm sorry that there's been such a break. Uh, I've just been dealing with a chest cold and helping my girlfriend get moved and things like that. So it's been a whirlwind, but we are back in the saddle and I guess that just leaves the one last thing to uh, go check us out on Twitter at JRPG Report. Check us out on Facebook. Um, but most importantly, just, you know, check out the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash JRPG Report. And really just like, I'd just like more people to like chip a dollar to the Patreon, come join the Discord and like, let's build up that community, man. Because I just want the more people to talk to about JRPG goodness with. So I love each and every one of you. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week this week and enjoy your weekend. I know I'm going to because it's my birthday. And as always, guys, get back out there and level up.